0: Love Talk Radio. My brothers and sisters, to all my fellow entrepreneurs across the globe, it is zero six hundred hours Eastern, ten hundred Greenwich, and this is Rudder Radio, your guide to thrive in any economy. Um, I'm William Eastman, managing partner for Applied Knowledge Labs, a North American business research company, and the show's sponsor. And today, we start a new series on fast growth and building your foundation. Uh, Starting with the elements, and I'm going to be using some chemistry terms here, you know, compounds versus elements. A company is a compound. What are the elements that make up a successful, fast-growth, sustainable company? What are the elements necessary to create strategic dominance in any market? And for some people, those words turn you off. I apologize, but I don't. I don't want to just be known in the market. I just don't want to be seen as an average player in a market. I don't even want to be the market leader. I want to own it. I want to dominate that market and I want to own it because the only way that I'm going to build a fast growth company is before I get there to aspire to be that company and then when I get there, tenaciously hold it. And so that's what we're going to talk about and we're going to talk about the six elements of when you build a successful strategy, what must be in there? And... If you want to join the show, you've got some options. One is that if you go to blogtalkradio.com slash the rudder, T-H-E hyphen R-U-T-T-E-R, you can click on chat and join us in the chat room, or you can call in, and we can talk directly at 347-215-7471. That's 347-215-7471. Or you can go to my blog site, which is also on our show, pl- show page at blogtalkradio.com. Radio, and in there, what we what we will have are our notes for today's show. So, having said all that, let me let me say one thing before we start, and that is, I want to say a happy Fourth of July to my countrymen in the United States. Uh, it was on Saturday. I didn't talk about it on Friday because we were trying to close up shop, and I was just running way too fast. At least my mouth was. And so I, I think the significance um, of the fourth um, is, is to, to our countrymen is also much bigger than that. And that is, is the significance of the year 1776 is that uh, the, the United States uh, made a decision that it was no longer going to be a, uh, a minion of the, of the British Empire. and It was no longer going to live by the leave of the British. And they said, uh, why don't you go on home now? And unlike other companies, including my my good friends in my, my second country, Canada, who waited for permission, the U.S. said, now we've had enough, go on, go home. The other thing about 176 is that it birthed um, the economic system that was to drive the American centuries that came forward. Um, and that was Adam Smith uh, published the wealth of nations in the same year. So it's pretty significant that uh, what you had is a truly merchant company, uh, country, I should say, emerge from the new world, the United States, because the United States though it was and probably still is a great military power. The United States strength has always been its economy up until this present time. And I could make political comments, which I will not. And so what we did is that 12 years after... Um, Signing the Declaration of Independence in 1787 through 1789, what we did is we came up with a, a um, what would you call it, a covenant between the governed and the government about who owned what and where was the power. And that what we needed was an economic system to back it up. And uh, Adam Smith publishing The Wealth of Nations in 1776 was uh, most opportune. So happy birthday to my colleagues. Uh, Also last week I didn't raise that on uh, my second country, June 1st, was Canada Day, uh, 1867 I believe. The Canadians left the British Empire to form their own nation and quite frankly, one of the great, great countries of the world and hopefully uh, the world's next great economic superpower. So with that, let's take today's show. So how did, we, how did I get here? Well, this one's a little bit older than the shows that we did earlier. And what I mean by a little bit older is this, is that um, we did a comparative analysis of successful companies. And so the list I'm going to give you is something work that I did. And let me take you back to 1997. 1997, I was uh, running my first startup, um, reasonably successful consulting firm I built. By myself, I had a couple partners at this point. We were fairly profitable. We were fairly profitable. We were making good money uh, for our consulting organization in terms. Of the average cost per consulting professional was way above the norm. And uh, one of the companies that we have done uh, out had outsourced work to us was a company called the Ken Blanchard Companies, and uh, we had been approached about. Taking a, helping them start their own consulting division or really their own consulting business unit. So I was asked to uh, basically start a company within a company. And before that happened, though I'd had uh, executive experience prior, it had been in uh, the military, United States Coast Guard, I had not had uh, executive experience in the business sector. So I said, well, as, and also as is just kind of my, uh, the way I do business, I said, I need to do a little homework on this. And what I did is I looked at a whole a whole um, series of companies, of, of the very best companies, regardless of industry. And I did look at companies in the consulting industry, but I looked at all companies and I said, what were the elements of successful strategy? Because the first thing that we were asked to do is, this, is to build a business strategy that took us from nowhere, a zero in revenue, to um, to a dominant player in our marketplace, and how fast could we do that? And so those were the things that that we saw ourselves challenged with. And the basis of uh, of our, these six elements are things that I developed and we put into play. And what what becomes interesting to me is is they prove uh, prescient because in our first company. Uh, the one that we started within in uh, the Ken Blanchard companies was wildly successful. And it was wildly successful because we basically um, executed on these elements. I was in another company called Trainingscape, which was an online e-learning firm. We failed. And we failed because we didn't practice any of these. And if we didn't practice them, obviously, we couldn't execute them. And then our success to date with Applied Knowledge Labs and our parent company, uh, Content Sourceware, Uh, is the same thing. Our present success is our focus on these elements and uh, dedication to execute on them. The other thing I want to say to you is that I I believe that I'm looking at my population and the people who have been listening and who we've built this program for is small business. I I want to caution all small business owners, all entrepreneurs, not to get caught up in this anti-large corporate uh, world view. Uh, there's a lot of things that dislike about large companies, um, and I am—I uh, certainly have my own list. But there's a lot of things to learn from them. And let's face it, if you're going to become—you're going to become the big dog in your market, whether it's a, it's a local niche, or it is uh, in the in your own country, or it is global you will become a large corporation. So the issue becomes is what type of large organization do you become and not, oh, I don't want to become a big company. Because if you don't want to be a big company, then you don't want to grow. If you don't want to grow, why the hell are you listening to me? Okay, So I got a little edgy here on a Monday morning. I was up especially early getting prepared for this show because this is a big one. So the basis of my last three startups, the basis of all the consulting advice I've ever done on strategy. And here are the elements, and they apply. And by the way, what I'm going to do is I'm outlining the next six shows because tomorrow's show will be on the first element. So let me overview what those are. Let me give you the six, and then let's talk a little bit of detail, understanding that we're going to be doing the drill downs uh, later on. Element number one is to do business in a new way. And any of you who have caught uh, the last two weeks of shows understand where, where I'm coming from here, and that is simply um, if you do business like everybody else, then you are everybody else, then you are a commodity, and then the only thing you can compete on is price, and I wish you luck. So number, element number one is do business in a new way. Number two is to pursue low-cost, high-margin opportunities. Pursue low-cost, high-margin opportunities. Now, you've got to marry this with the first one because I can guarantee you that all of the easily recognizable low-cost, high-margin opportunities have got other smart entrepreneurs pursuing them. The question in here is that can you do business in a new way to pursue those, which takes me to number three. And that is to take monumental risk. And we're going to talk about risk a little bit because I, number one is that if you if you don't want to take risks, then don't be an entrepreneur. But the fact that you left a full paying job and and basically went to work for yourself and trusted the trusted in your own talent, managerial skills in this economy already makes you an idiot, okay? Like the rest of us. And so if you want to play it safe, don't become an entrepreneur. Now I'm going to define the difference between calculated risk and stupid risk risk that becomes gambling, but if I take these three together, taking monumental risk means about strategy, means about doing business in a new way so that I can redefine the market and pursue where the lowest cost and highest margin opportunities arise. Um, number four is seeking exponential returns in everything we do, whether it's exponential returns in sales, exponential returns in margin, exponential returns in on invested capital, is that look at your company as a stockbroker or financial advisor would look at it. And the question is, is that if we give this company any money, do they get the most leverage? Do they maximize the use of those resources better than anybody else? If they don't, lend them to somebody else. If I look at my business that way, I think I make sounder decisions. Number five is thrive on deals, partnerships, and alliances. And that is the quickest way to get into new markets, the quickest way to acquire new technology, the quickest way to ramp up your operations is to find partners. Now, finding good partners, finding partners is easy. Finding good partners is difficult. Uh, but how do you do that? And especially important for those early stages to start up, to find the marquee customers. Okay. And then finally, number six is outmanage the competition. Uh, because a great business idea and a great business model unexecuted is worthless. And I've seen a lot of companies whose business ideas were marginal, um, that they really, when you when you look at it in, to, in, in total, uh, they're they basically average companies, but they just out-executed everybody else. And anybody that follows sports knows what I'm talking about is teams that are less in talent that out-execute their opponents typically win those games. And so... Those are the six that we're going to take and do a quick overview of each and prepare you for a drill down in, over the next six shows. So let's take element number one, do business in a new way. Um, competitive advantage, we, we talked about uh, two weeks ago, about the identification of competitive advantage. Why do you do market intelligence? Well, you want to find out where competitive advantage is and where is it moving to. And so it starts with who and what. Who are the, the those customers those industries, those accounts um, who have unmet or undermet needs with the possibility of high financial return, and like I said before is everybody is looking for these customers, and so the issue then becomes is is the what 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 is the specific product you know what is the specific product and service you're going to offer? Which again is probably not any different than anybody else's, but the, but the multiplier is how. Everybody is out there doing who and doing what. The issue is is how. And how do I become new and distinctive that reduces costs while increasing margin? And so. How do I look at my business model to say, I'm going to do this just a whole lot different than anybody else? And that's what element number one is. And that is tomorrow's conversation. Tomorrow, on the 7th of July, we're going to cover that. And a good example of a company that was good at this, and not a company that I had at my disposal at the time, but as I think back on it now, one that fits, that is JetBlue. Uh, you get the airline industry is absolutely besieged and very, very difficult to um, to operate within. It's almost a, country, a, a segment of the market that where profitability is not possible. But if you look at JetBlue, that what they were looking to do, they're doing business in a new way. It's interesting. They wanted to bring humanity back to air travel and it's certainly they've had their travails, but so is everybody else in that industry and they're still around and they're still profitable and they've learned, but they haven't changed. Their business model says, how do we bring humanity back there, travel? And anybody who travels a lot knows that there is very little to any humanity out there. Number two, element number two, and that is pursue low-cost, high-margin opportunities. And that's really only possible if you've got a new model. You have a new how because all the good companies are there. If you're going to copy the how of everybody else, that market's already crowded. And as I said before, and I will say time and time again, is that if there's nothing different, there's no different between your company and the opposing company, and there's nothing different in your offer, then it's a contest on price. And then the winner is going to be the company that is the lowest cost producer, and that typically goes to the larger company because they have the economies of sale. Of scale. And so uh, you want to compete there? Go right ahead. I have no intention of competing there. What I want to do is I want to come up with a totally different way of doing business, a totally different how, and so that I'm not under the same type of pressures. Yeah, I still want to be the lowest cost producer because it gives me great flexibility in my margins, but I want to be different. And how do I do that? is by understanding where the industry currently is competing and what they're investing in and seeing if I can't change my profile, to change the elements of that so that I can look distinctively different. And that is Wednesday show on the 8th of July. We're going to drill down on that one hard. Okay. Let me stop for a second here and say, okay, take a commercial break. And this is Rudder Radio. Your guide to thrive in any economy, sponsored by Applied Knowledge Labs, a North American uh, business research company uh, headquartered in Calgary, Alberta, for our Canadian operations and Las Vegas, Nevada. And we currently have uh, four offices: one in Canada in Calgary, and then the United States offices in Las Vegas, Kansas City, and where I where I am calling from today or broadcasting from today, Richmond, Virginia. And what we do as a company is basically this. We are view us as an information refinery, much like an oil company uh, that takes crude out of the ground, and crude is really not usable. You know, somebody's got to refine it so that you can turn it into fuel that you can use, uh, whether it's gasoline, diesel, etc. cetera. Um, that's what we do. We take information data, raw uh, research, and we turn that into information that is usable by small fast growth companies, and that information can be just news. that information can be knowledge where we uh, we begin to do some redefinition of that and say here's what it means, or that can be from providing insights uh, the type of insights that says that, well, here's been our experience." about doing that. And our principal product is we have a, an assessment, an organizational assessment called forecast. And the way that forecast operates um, is if it would be like going into a major research uh, medical institute and saying to the doctors, I feel fine, but do a complete physical. And we run every test possible, and then at the end we sit you down and said your blood chemistry is fine, your weight's a little bit high, your cholesterol's a little bit high, et cetera, and we give you a complete view of where the company stands. And in our particular case, we don't do it on the health of your company. We do it on where does your company stand relative to what's required to grow in a fast and sustainable way, or our other products. Are surveys. I and mean we call these targeted surveys. And that, let's say that you've got an ankle injury. Well, you really don't need a scan of your brain if you got an ankle injury. So, some of our clients say, Hey, look, my problem is in customer enthusiasm, customer loyalty. My problem is employee satisfaction. My problem is total quality management. Uh, my problem is managing innovation. My problem is collecting market intelligence. My problem is figuring out where my competitive advantage lies. In other words, business owners are clear about what they need. And we have survey products. Everything's done online, everything is automated, and everything's relatively inexpensive. So, anyway, that is my commercial. And we're going to expand upon this a little bit, but let me get back to the show. So far, we covered the uh, first two elements. Uh, that are required for strategic domination of a market. Let me take you to element three, and that is to take monumental risk. And what this gets at is understand the nature of risk, and that is you're bold in strategy, and then you change the odds, and you minimize the risk in terms of being successful at that. But you never play it safe on this, because the companies that make, that don't make it are the companies that don't take the risk. The way I view this, and I'll use the analogy of American football because I can't I can't use... Uh, football as it's defined around the world outside the U.S. or uh, what we would call soccer because I don't understand the game well enough. But in football, it's one of those uh, deals where you've got the ball, you're running downfield, and you see a little seam. You see a little seam that if you can get there quick and pop on through, then you can score. And so that's what this is. Do I take the risk of trying to bust through that seam or don't I? And so... It's it's about competing in advance, um, in hockey terms, it's going where the puck will be. As the great Wayne Gretzky once said, is when people asked him about his greatness, he said. I go to where the puck is going to be, and that's where I need to be in business. Where the puck is, where where competitive advantage is currently is not really of much use to me. Where competitive advantage is going to be is of great value to me. And so what do I do is I compete in the advance, I take monumental risks strategically, and then as I move over to execution, that is where I begin to minimize the odds. And we'll talk about the principle of doubling down in terms of this, but you know, many times um, uh, the safest decision is made to do what everybody is doing, and I've got to tell you, is that not risky? If you think about it, if you if you take the low road and you do what everybody's doing and minimize your risk, you think, is that not the riskiest strategy at all because the odds of you being successful when you're in a crowded field are pretty slim? And a good example of this is the Toy- Toyota's development of the Prius and coming out with the first hybrid. Um, and they expended billions of dollars and came up with a market that didn't exist until they built it. Or another example of this, and one of my favorite companies is Federal Express, The the need for overnight express of correspondence, mail, etc., things of that items, not necessarily large packages, but smaller things that are essential to run a business. Um, nobody was asking for the services that Fred Smith and FedEx were providing. Uh, uh, provided until they provided them, and that was a huge risk to get into that market. Element number four is exponential returns. Now, as I said before, you need to view your company as a stockbroker or a financial advisor, and how well does the company, your company, Maximize the use of rare resources, and that is money in any business, but especially in the startup days. The rarest research uh, resource that you own is dollars, is money, is dineros, it's uh, pounds, it's marks, um, whatever, it's won, it's whatever, it's yen, whatever you want to call it. And so how. Do you get the maximum amount of return for those investments? And we're going to take take a look at sales growth. We're going to look at margin growth or margin maintenance. We're going to look at return on invested capital. But what you need to do is when it comes time to make decisions on strategic initiatives and budget, you want to think like a financial advisor because if your company company gets a rate of return of 20%, and think about this for just a second, your company can get a rate of return of 20% on invested capital. And the, going, and the going market right now is you probably get 10% in some places, but it's probably more like 6 or 7 20% versus 7%, not bad. Investing in your company is actually a good financial investment. But in most companies, they get 5 or 6% return as they look at growth over a year. And you could take that money and invest it in stock. And so actually... Uh, If you run a small company and that's all you're getting is a rate of return, it's actually smarter for you to take your profits and invest in something else than your own company. So how do I get exponential returns is the issue that we're going to look at, and that is going to be on Friday. And Friday is the 10th of July. Okay, Element 5. Element 5 is uh, Monday, and that's going to be the, the, the 11, 12, 13. July and Element 5 is the Thrive on Deals, Partnerships, and Alliances, and that is basically how to get on the map, how to get seen, how to build brand associations, how to make sure that you, your company can rise with your best customers, your best suppliers, uh, the best subject matter experts that you can find, and it's about securing deep relationships with a limited number of valued customers, suppliers, and experts. Who become the rising tide that will give you the exponential growth uh, of, of your business? And um, when I talked about in uh, stage two, I think it was Tuesday, two weeks back, uh, the issue that you try to do is you try to find a marquee customer. Well, this is where you find the marquee customer, and it's just like you find the marquee suppliers. Uh, an example of this is Ascend Communications. And Ascend has been bought out and was bought out by Lucent. And the reason I pick Ascend is it's a, it's a few years older now. off the screen, but uh, a close personal friend of mine was the uh, executive vice president at Sales and Ascend. And what they did is that they took Cisco head-on and took the Walmart account from them. The way they took the Walmart account is that they moved an engineering team to Bentonville, Arkansas, said, yeah, we'll build it, and we'll build it at that price, and in-state and they stayed until it worked. And Walmart appreciated their effort. They got far greater value. And even though Ascend did not make much money on that deal, what happened was that when people said, well, where have you done an install? And they go, Walmart. Um, kind of case closed. Can we trust you? Um, and then finally that gets us, and that's going to be on Monday the 13th, and then Tuesday the 14th of July, um, is the last one, and that's element six, and that is outmanage the competition. Um, understand the demands of each growth stage, which we talked about uh, at Nostrum for the last two weeks, and managing those demands, finding the best advice, uh, advice possible, willingness to take risks uh, strategically, and then how to reduce the odds, odds tactically through an obsession with execution. And then finally, how do I manage both the future and the present? Because one of the things you find is that these companies have kind of both an internal orientation and an external orientation. And what I mean by that is this, is that you they, they look at inside the company look at outside the company. Another way of stating it is that in a book that uh, I participated with and became kind of the handbook for our consulting practice, um, Uh, that was written by Ken Blanchard called Mission Possible, talked about the creation of future and present teams. And and what that means is that you've got a group of people, mostly executives, who spend their time thinking about where the puck is going to be in three or four years and and what are the opportunities that it presents to the firm and what are the threats. And so they're always prepared for the future. You also at the same time have a collection of executives who are focused on the present and that is how do we do this a little bit better, how do we reduce a little bit more cost here, how do we maximize the margin here, how do we improve the sales on these particular items and so it's kind of this combination of inside out, internal, external, future and present that is required to run the company. And as we talked about last week with this stage six of growth, this reinvention of the firm, this is where you see this kind of present and future teams. So anyway, where where do we take this so far? So as I come up to the end of our time together here, and I'm just switching screens here, as most of you probably do. You can't talk and uh, chew gum at the same time. Here's where we stand with about a minute and a half left. 1997, I had the responsibility of doing some executive leadership, uh, where I wasn't offering advice, but rather doing it. And I looked at the research, and I looked at all the companies that have been um, dominant players in their marketplaces, and I distilled out um, six elements of, uh, of, uh, of strategic dominance. That we've copied and we've used over the years, and I want to offer to you as a foundation for uh, building the company, and they quickly are in review, doing business in a new way. Element two, pursue low-cost, high monitoring opportunities. Element three, take monumental risks. Element four, um, managing and receiving exponential, exponential returns. Element five, thrive on deals, partnerships, and alliances. Element six, outmanage the competition. So where do we stand today? Where we stand today is that uh, tomorrow we'll start this journey and uh, it's 6 in the morning, East Coast time, 10 Greenwich. What we'll do is we'll take Element 1 and we will do a drill down. So with that, I want to thank you for joining us this morning. Hope Hope you're looking forward to a great business week. Wealth and prosperity to all.